Hello, welcome. We're so glad you're joining us this morning um, via YouTube. What a blessing that locally here in the Harrisburg region, but also we're finding out more and more each week around the world that people are joining us. So thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Thank you for being a part of our family. Um, now, next week, we will actually not have a YouTube service. We'll be doing a live Zoom service. So please make sure to keep an eye out for the email. If you're on our church mailing list, you know, you'll already get it. If you're not on our church mailing list, sign up for our church mailing list by emailing the office here at Harrisburg VIC. Um, this morning we're going to kind of get into a new um, sermon series. Uh, I was actually going to wait because of the communion service next week to start a new sermon series, but the more as I talked about um, with staff, but then also as I prepared, it just made sense that we would just dive right in. Um, so we just finished uh, a sermon series called Growing Season, looking specifically at the fruit of the Spirit as found in Galatians 5. Kind of the big teachings we're trying to hold on to there is that Jesus has called us to, to remain in the vine, to remain in him, and to, to live by the Spirit. And by living by the Spirit, we produce fruit. And that growing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, is really not just, you know, love, joy, hope, um, but that the fruit of the Spirit is really living and loving like Christ. So we're saying that in this season of life, but for all of life, how are we loving and living like Christ? So kind of moving from that growing season, um, we're going to talk about one way that it, it shows up in a lot of other aspects of our life that we need to grow same thing, growing like Christ, but um, we're going to talk this, this next couple weeks here about how God calls us to be stewards and how when we're stewards of the things that God has blessed us with, you know, we grow in Christ-likeness, we grow in caring, and we grow in trust. The idea here is simply is that as we grow, we see God's blessings anew. As we grow, we see in our lives that the gifts that we've been gifted by God are ours to steward. But what exactly is stewardship? Uh, one of the things I realized in, in pre preparing this week is that I talk a lot about stewardship with premarital couples. And what, one of the ways I do that is I ask them, you know, when you think about yourself, you know, just are you a saver or are you a spender? Um, trying to get them to start to think about how they, they think about money, how they think about their resources and their finances. And, and usually what happens is that, you know, no one's any one thing. You know, even people who would say I'm a spender, they can talk about seasons or, or, or ways in their life that they're saving. And even people who say I'm a saver, they can talk about reasons or, or seasons in their lives that they're spending. And, and so what we learn is it's not just um, about this spectrum or this, this gamut of saving and spending, what we try to push them to is to this idea that, you know, it's not, you should not be primarily a saver. You should not be primarily a spender. You should be all the time a steward. And part of the reason we say that is because God created everything. God owns everything. God has gifted you with every blessing. And God is inviting you to steward these blessings he's given you to partner with him in making on earth as it is in heaven possible, to partner with him to do this kingdom work. So when we talk about stewardship, we're going to talk about this idea. You know, the Greek um, that we, we get this idea of stewardship from also talks about, you know, being a manager, being a manager of a house, being the one who, you know, the master has put you in charge to manage the master's affairs, to manage the master's affairs. And I think when we think about our blessings, it's good to remember that God has made us the manager of all these things he's gifted us. And we need to think about God being the manager of our heart. Again, the ancient idea of heart here isn't just feelings, right? It's your mind, your body, your soul. But it's also your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your hopes, your dreams. So all that you have belongs to God who owns it all. All that you have has been gifted to you by God. But all that you have, God invites you to steward for him. 
And I think the blessing of stewardship is that it really, if we're committed to stewarding what God has given us, we grow in Christ-likeness, we grow in caring, we grow in trust with God. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this chance to worship you. We thank you for this chance to learn more about you. We pray now for this message. Lord, we pray that we can not only learn what it means to give, but what it means to partner with you to do your work here in Harrisburg and in our world on earth as it is in heaven. In your holy and precious name, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 25. Matthew 25, I'll be reading verses 14 to 30. Matthew 25, again, starting at verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your bag of gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and gave it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What's fascinating about the story this morning is that Matthew 25, I think one of the ways to really understand this chapter as a whole is to look at it as really the, the great stewardship chapter. And there's three different parables that, that, that Jesus tells, three different stories to kind of flesh out. But what exactly is Jesus fleshing out? He's fleshing out the kingdom. And one of the things we need to remember about Jesus is that he preaches a lot about his father's kingdom. In fact, in Luke's gospel, I think there's 39 times that Jesus mentions or is teaching about the kingdom. You know, a lot of times we think about Jesus and say, what does Jesus talk about? What's the essence of what Jesus is about? One of the things that we'll say is love. Well, yeah, in, in, in Luke's gospel, 39 times Jesus is talking about the kingdom. Love, I think, in Luke, Jesus mentions three times. So the kingdom is the focus of what Jesus is going. And also when you look at the, the whole arc of Jesus' ministry, you see that at the crucial points, he's trying to point people to the kingdom. I think that's important. When he starts his ministry, he talks about the kingdom. When he sends out disciples, he talks about the kingdom. When he teaches us about prayer, he talks about the kingdom. When he goes through the Last Supper, he's talking about the kingdom. So when you look 
look at Matthew 25 as this stewardship chapter, we have to remember it's what are we stewarding for, and it has to be God's kingdom. Now, the first parable is a, a parable about the, the, the virgins and, and the ones who were prepared. And in this parable, Jesus basically teaches us to, to keep watch, for he is coming again. And the idea of stewardship here is simply the faithful are prepared for Jesus' return. So what are we stewarding in this first parable? It's a simple idea of, are you prepared for Jesus' return? And, you know, the last couple of weeks we've been preaching about all these different things. And as I was reading through Matthew 25 this week, I just felt the need to pause here. And to ask that question, because one of the great blessings is we're finding out each week of uh, uh, people who are finding us on the Internet and people who are like, oh, we've been tracking with you for weeks. But I think that when we're going to talk about the kingdom and we're going to talk about how God calls us to, to do the work of the kingdom, to steward our resources, we must remember that, that the first step, the entry point into the kingdom is accepting that free gift of salvation. So we have to ask all of us this morning, are we prepared for Jesus' return? Have you confessed your sins? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you said Jesus is Lord? Have you said, Father, forgive me for the sins? Forgive me. And have you said, Father, I believe in your Son. I thank for the Holy Spirit who has convicted me in this moment. I believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. I want your salvation. I want to be prepared. And for those of us who've made that decision, for those of us who've made that decision to follow Jesus, the question still remains, are we prepared for Jesus coming again? Are we busy now living and working to make his kingdom come or just build our own? The, the, the third parable, you know, we're going to come back. We're going to, our passage is in the middle, so we'll, we'll spend more time there. But the third parable Jesus talks about in regards to the kingdom is the parable of the goats and the sheep, right? It's Jesus coming as judge at the end. And the idea of kingdom work here shows up in Jesus saying, how you live for the kingdom is by caring for the least of these, is by caring for the have-nots. And what's fascinating here is Jesus isn't just calling us to simply feed the hungry, to, to give water to the thirsty, to welcome in the immigrants and the strangers, to clothe the naked, to heal the sick, and to nurse the sick, and to visit the imprisoned. But Jesus himself became all those things on Calvary's tree. Jesus himself was all those things. And the reminder here is, yes, are you prepared for me coming again? And how do you prepare for me coming again? You live today to provide for your sister and for your brother. And then we get to this middle one where Jesus says, yes, are you prepared for my coming? Are you living for your sister and brother? And then he talks about what he's blessed us with when it comes to our resources when it comes to money. And this passage is interesting. So Jesus here tells the story about the master. And the master is going on this long journey. And what's interesting about that those days and times is that not only would masters have managers and, and, and stewards and people in charge of the resources, but you literally would not know when the master was coming. For example, you don't know how long it's going to take to get from Jerusalem to, let's say he was going to Tyre, you know, or let's say he was going to, to Egypt, right, Cairo or, or Alexandria, I guess back then is probably better, right? You did not know when the master was coming. So the master would show great faith in gathering the stewards together and saying, while I'm gone, this is what you're supposed to do. 
And I think for us is we have to put ourselves in that mindset because we live in a day now where Jesus is physically in heaven getting it prepared for us. We do not know when he's coming. And for us, that's a hard exercise. But to the people hearing this parable, they'll be like, yeah, you're right. Sometimes, you know, when he leaves, I don't know when he's going to come back. But am I ready for him to come back? Am I working for him while he's gone? They would do this a lot more easily than we do. So the master, he, he, the master gathers all the servants. He blesses them and he gives them resources while he goes away. Now, what's interesting is, you know, you read the story, and now the, the modern translation, or I guess the newer translation, talks about it in, in, in bags of gold. There's one person who's given five, and, and that person returns five more bags of gold. There's one person who's giving two, and, and that person returns two bags of gold. There's one person who, who, who's given one and, and brings the same one. Now, when I grew up hearing this parable, they talked about talents. And, and I didn't know what a talent was, so I just thought it was like the stuff I'm good at, right? And if you do a little bit of digging, you find out that, that a talent is actually 20 years worth of wages. And, and for me, I've never held a bag of gold. And while it simplifies the story, I think it's important for us to understand how much investment the master is giving to these servants. Now, in Pennsylvania... This is a big week for us. This is a huge week for us. Since 2009, our, our, our minimum wage has been the federal lowest minimum wage. It's been $7.25. Yet this week, uh, well, yeah, yeah, this week um, on July 1st, we'll bump up to a whole $8.00. And, and since the math was easier for me doing it in my head, and I did check with a calculator, I just went with the $8 because, you know, we're in Pennsylvania. We're finally up to $8. Woohoo! But if you go for a talent is 20 years worth of labor or 20 years worth of wages. And if you use that July 1st, $8 and you say the person works full time, 40 hours, and then you do it by 52 weeks, you'll find out that the 20 years, one talent is the equivalent of $332,000, $332,800. That's what one talent was. One bag of gold, that's how much investment. So then the person getting two talents would get $665,600. That's a lot of money. The person getting five talents was given $1.664 million. And for me, maybe that's just how my mind works, that's way better than trying to figure out what's five bags of gold, two bags of gold, one bags of gold. This is a, a, a concerted investment that the master is giving to these stewards. And what we learn from this story is that good stewards take that investment and they reproduce. And they're rewarded. They're rewarded by a master who says, well done, good and faithful servant. They're rewarded by a master who, who says, you've entered into my joy. They're rewarded by a master who says, you've taken what I've blessed you with and you've become a blessing with it. But we also learn the flip side about that. We learn that a bad steward is the one who takes what God has blessed them with and hides it. A bad steward is the one who makes excuses. A bad steward is the one who, who, who says, Master, I know you're hard, and I know you don't really do any of the work, and you just want to see something from it. And I, I, just, I knew you were so hard, so I, just, I dug it in the ground, and, and I'm, I'm just going to give it back to you. And what's interesting is that the people Jesus is talking to in their faith and their understanding, they weren't allowed to even charge interest to other Jewish people. But what's fascinating, I just learned, is that 
they could charge Gentiles interest. And the, the, the problem, though, is that everyone was mostly poor, but the super rich would charge interest. And there was one documented person who would give you money, but then charge you 50% interest. So what's interesting to me is I always read that passage it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't know what the bank's going to give them, like 2 3%, but like that's at least 2 3% on one talent. No. Even just charging for interest, what the master's given you was going to yield way more of a result, way more uh, of talents, or, or in this case, gold. And the master juxtaposes these two situations where if you're faithful to what I've given you, you will live in my abundance. If you're not faithful to what I've given you, your future is, is this bad servant who has everything taken away. You know, a parallel passage is in Luke 12. And Luke 12 kind of goes through, uh, it says parallel passage, so it's similar to the same parables we're seeing in Matthew 25. But what's interesting is the end of Luke 12, Jesus says this clearly like this. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted much, much more will be asked. To whom much is given, much is due. We're going to talk about, or we're talking about this morning, how do we steward our resources? The first thing I want us to hold on to is that Jesus calls us to give him our heart, to steward our heart, which means that your mind, your body, your soul should belong to Jesus, which means that your hopes and your dreams should belong to Jesus. But it also means that our money, our finances, our resources should belong to Jesus. First Peter 4.10 says it like this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And for most of us who grow up or stay in the church, we're okay with that in the things that we're good at. We're okay with that in our spiritual gifts. But the challenge for us is, are we willing to do the same thing when it comes to our money? Are we willing to say, God, whatever is in my bank account, I've received it to serve others? Are we willing to say, God, it's not just how I preach or how I sing or how I encourage or how I pray. Are we willing to say, God, everything I own is for your kingdom and to serve others? Are we willing to be the faithful stewards Peter calls us to be of God's grace in various forms. Jesus himself says it like this in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And the challenge for us is to realize that God has called us. God has called us not just to be the light of the world so that we look good, but in the giving of all that we are, in the giving of all that we do for the kingdom, for the work of the church, we get to shine so brightly that others can see and glorify our Father in heaven. In a world where it's all about me and mine, in a world where it's all about building up our portfolio, in a world where it's all about doing better than your parents did, how amazing would it be if we were committed to doing better, not for us, but working for the kingdom and saying all that we have is for the kingdom come. Stewardship reminds us that God created everything, that God owns everything. God has gifted us every blessing that we have. But it's also a reminder that God has given you so we can partner with him. God has chosen you as his partner. 
when we talk about stewarding our resources, I think it's important for us to remember that as Christians, we believe Jesus is God. But Jesus took on a physical body. He entered into a time and space. And Jesus, after he entered into this time and space, after he lived to show us how to live and love like God and how to please God, after he died on Calvary's tree, after he's raised from the dead, Jesus is now physically in heaven. I think that's important when we think about what it means to partner with God. The second thing I think we need to hold on to is the fact that after Jesus went up, the spirit came down. And the Spirit lives in the heart of every believer. The Spirit lives in this world. And the question we must remember is that Jesus is in heaven getting it perfect for you. The Spirit is doing God's work. But what's left now is the church, and that's us. The church must work for the kingdom too. So for all of us, we have to ask ourselves this morning, is every gift that God has given me being used for his kingdom? It's everything, and again, it's not just my spiritual gifts. It's not just the, the skills and abilities and things I'm good at. Are we willing to look at ourselves and say, is everything in our bank account truly belong to God in the sense of I need to be not just building up for me and mine, but how am I using this for the kingdom? Stewardship grows us in Christ-likeness, caring, and trust. I think there's four things that I found as I thought about it this week that really, really helps me in this commitment. The first one is I have to consistently teach myself and remind myself and tell myself and then teach and remind and tell myself again and then teach and remind and tell myself again, God, my resources, my money belongs to you. And honestly, this was a lot easier growing up. This was a lot easier when we just lived to make ends meet. This is a lot easier because, you know, we didn't have a lot of extra income, you know, so we just built it into the budget and that's what we did. It gets a little bit harder and it, it, you would think it would get easier the more resources or the more money you have, but it does not. And so one of the things I have to do is to consistently remind myself, God, all I have, all of our resources, all of our money belongs to you because we don't just have to think that. We don't just have to pray about that. We have to believe it and we have to live that all of our money and resources belongs to God. And the reason that's important is because as Christians, as Anabaptists, as Brethren in Christ, as Harrisburg Brethren in Christ family, we love to say we follow Jesus. We love to say we follow Jesus' example. But Jesus' example is giving it all up to God for God's glory and kingdom. So are we willing to truly follow Jesus in this? Second thing I thought about is one of the earliest advice I, I ever got about money. And one that I think most of us get, I think, somewhat some version of this, right? And that was the idea of I was taught that, you know, you have to get to a point where you make your money work for you. Right? That was the general idea is you have to get to a point where it's not just working to make ends meet, but get to a point where your money's doing the hard work, if you will. Make your money work for you. And that sounds great, but it sounds like the world. And I think the challenge for us is not what accounts to put our money in and, and what derivatives or, or what, what return that we get. I think the challenge for us is not to make our money work for us. It's to make our money work for God's kingdom. That's the challenge. It's not about making your money work for you. It's how are you using your money for God's kingdom. 
And the third thing I learned, I think I really learned this when I started walking in, in premarital counseling with couples, is that there's never really a good time to start committing your money to God. Because when you're a student, for example, you're like, I'm poor, I'm a student. Then you graduate and you're like, I need a job. Then you get a job and say, I got to pay student loans. Then maybe you get married and you say, you know what, we got to save for the future. Then you get married and you're like, maybe we want to buy a house. Then you buy a house and then you have a kid, right? There's never a good time. You're never going to be like, you know what, in six months, three days, 12 hours and 17 minutes, I will be ready then to save and commit my money to Jesus. No, you have to do it today. Like to invite everyone to create a budget because here's the thing we all have a budget whether or not we know it or not right but you have to commit today all that I have belongs to God and how can I do it you know the Bible talks about tithing and that's 10 percent but the Bible also talks about gifts and offerings and I think what we have to remember is that if all that we have belongs to God, yes, God is going to provide so you can provide for your friends or provide for your family or provide for yourself but if all we have belongs to him, we need to consistently be thinking about how do we commit everything to him and what does that look like? And I'm excited because we're a creative bunch here at Harrisburg BIC. And I'm excited to see how we continue to answer that question. You know, one of the great blessings to me recently has been, you know, there's a bunch of people in our church who, who got maybe a little bit something extra from the government. And, and, and their response was, how can we give it to the church to help those in need? I think we can be creative in thinking about ways to give for the kingdom. And then the last thing I think I've learned about saying, God, you're in charge of all of this, is trust. It's trust. One of my favorite rappers has this line where he says, how do you receive your gift from God when both your hands are full? And the thing is, for me anyway, one of the things I want to hold on to is my money. But if I'm holding on tightly to my money, how do I receive my gift from God when both my hands are full? We have to be willing to not just open our hands, but to release it. Because what we hold on the most tightly is actually what owns us. What we hold on the most tightly is actually what we worship. What we hold on the most tightly is actually who is the Lord of our lives. Giving to God or committing all of our resources to God or, or planning to give for the kingdom encourages us not just to trust, but it reminds us that yes, everything belongs to God. That yes, that God is working and God is moving and I'm partnering, but it reminds us that God will always provide for us. So my question becomes, yes, how are you managing your resources it's not just about what you're saving. It's not just about whether or not you're a spender or a saver. The question for all of us is, how are we stewarding what God has given us? Because if Christ is our example, we will acknowledge, we will say, we will live. Lord, all we have belongs to you. All of it. God bless you all.